The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush and this is Podcast Beyond episode 620. If you're wondering what that laughter was over the intro, that was Lucy O'Brien. I'm sorry, it's just when Max does goofy things next to me, I can't not. I was trying to like make a face in the camera so it times it right, but I do it poorly and so I'm just making this dumb rictus for like... And it went on for really yeah, long. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Max, of course, is also here with hey. us, as is Brian Altano. Brrrap! Thank you all for joining us for this week. Uh, we're going to be diving back into PlayStation history as today as we're recording the day before this episode goes live is the 25th anniversary of PlayStation. And what better way to celebrate a brand than to talk about our favorite memories of it, which is what they want us to do, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, before we do get into the show, a couple of announcements and I wanted to read a letter that a friend of the show, Yair, sent in a couple weeks ago, asked his permission to read this, it's a little bit personal, uh, but Yair, who's written into the show before, of course, many times, wrote in to say uh, this was earlier in November, he wrote, he wrote, hi, had a long and difficult week, but uh, that hopefully turned out okay, but I figured I'd send this in. I'm going to zoom in so I can read better. I hope this gets to the crew, but I wanted to write it to, first of all, say happy birthday to Max. I first got to hear you from the Comedy Button Kickstarter. Uh, and show followed your work at Rev3, Destructoid, and now IGN. I love your perpetual positivity and optimism while still confronting and sharing some of the struggles along the way. That? <laughs> That's you, buddy. Wow. I'd like to think that I sort of grew up along Brian this past decade. The willingness to change your life and try to be a better version of yourself is a constant reminder to do the same in my life. Lucy's, really sweet. Lucy's ability to take everything in stride and the fuck the haters approach is something I adore <laughs> and attempting to implement that in my own life to partial success. Oh, and last but not least, Jonathan, I still remember tearing up reading your Polygon piece, that's a long time ago, and sharing your experiences. Since you came to IGN, the show has been infected with your excitement and positivity, putting the spotlight not only on the games, but on the people that make them and the people that play them as well. Memory card is my favorite part of the show. Sorry, trophy test. People argue uh, if games matter or not, if they are art or not, but often don't stress the effects of the communities that form around the shows and sites that cover them. I've made numerous close friends through them and can honestly say that you made my life better and maybe made me a more positive person. And for that, I want to say thank you. The show matters more than I could say and forever will be a part of my life. Keeping awesome, Yair. Oh, that is so lovely. That is really... That's really sweet. Yeah, it's uh, very moving. I'm honestly tearing up a little bit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much uh, for writing that. And, you know, we've talked about sometimes the negativity that can appear in comment sections for this show or for anything on the internet as it exists. Uh, but in general, the positivity both of 
for me personally, getting to work with these amazing people every week on the show and every day in the office and for the positivity that you and many other people in the community bring to us. So thank you so much for writing the, that in. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate it so much. It's a huge honor to keep yeah. the show going and reach people. It's a time of year to be sentimental and nice and, you know, say you, if you can't say you love someone on Christmas, when can you say it? Damn it. <laughs> uh, yes, of course, we're looking back at many things this year, not just the people we love, but the games we loved. Uh, not today, but I believe tomorrow, December 5th, from when the show goes up, as time works. Lucy, yes. the best of 2019 nominations are going up. Nominees right? will go up. Yep, so that's um, nominees for games and for movies, TV, anime, and comics as well. So they're all going up on the 5th. Uh, and yeah, I think you guys will hopefully be pleasantly surprised. Yes, we'll definitely talk about those uh, the week after. There have mm-hmm. been some changes to some of the categories that we can go into once all those nominations are out. That's correct. Um, and explain a little bit of that, uh, especially as it applies to some of the platforms. But uh, there are also community polls for all of those. Yes. Uh, so if you want your voice heard in our community vote, please go vote for those on the website when all of those go up. On December 5th, we'll have a big blowout on IGN.com. So read everything about that uh, and you will get to vote for your favorite games as well uh of course (laughs) this is the 25th anniversary of playstation this week you've probably seen uh some stuff on ign about that you've probably seen some stuff on the playstation blog various twitter accounts um and one of the things going around is of course a lot of people talking about their favorite games from each generation we actually did this as a topic on the show i think like a year and a half ago maybe two years ago i was the only one of this current cast that was on that episode oh so i figured we should do it again with all of you. Yeah, that sounded you, like a real sham. Yeah, stupid Barrett Courtney on the show. Uh, <laughs> we'll see, like, Battle for Bikini Bottom. And Donkey I've Kong 64, yeah, five end. times in a row. We love you, Barrett. Batman we miss you. Arkham. Uh, so I wanted to hear from all three of you about your favorite games from the PlayStation home console generation. This is not us saying what the best games were. This is favorite games. Someone took a stab at my favorite games from each generation. I don't know who wrote these. I'm going to guess Max. Yeah, that was me. I thought you would go in and change them. And I didn't. Lucy also didn't get the memo that we're supposed to pick ones that other people haven't picked. Well, I didn't realize that. did like that. the greatest a hits memo. of all of our picks. So. <laughs> we'll have Lucy go. There are the rules, then. Lucy. Uh, Max's guesses for mine we all have good taste. were Spyro the Dragon, Ratchet and Clank, Heavenly Sword, and Persona 5. Not bad guesses. Uh, it would be Ripto's Rage 2. Uh, Spyro 2 Ripped as Rage for PlayStation 1, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 for PS2, probably... Oh, Kingdom Hearts, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, uh, probably Uncharted 2 or... What about uh, Heavenly Sword, though? The last of I like, never played it. You seem like a Heavenly Sword I man. never Whose played it. Whose favorite game is Heavenly Sword? I think Jonathan Dornbush. It could be one day. I'll play it for <laughs> a let's play. I, I, I really kind of sort of liked Heavenly hey, Sword. Look, 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 I'm, I'm not, not saying I'm there's not, anything yeah. wrong with Heavenly Sword. No, no, it's just no, no, like no. not like a, It's not like a best of a generation. No, no but I'm, it's it has a lot of good stuff going for it. One of the weirdest things about that game is the way the camera moves. It moves like it's on like a like a track, right? <laughs> like it's got this weird train that swings back and forth. Um, but I think it's like a really fun action game, and I I really dig it. I'm glad it got made. It led to them working on a bunch of other cool stuff. So they also seven years after it came out made a CGI film. Oh yeah, was that you? That Bowl? must have been a winner. Uh, I feel like you Bowl was trying to make a Heavenly Sword movie at some point. Uh, the director was Gun Ho Jung, uh, written by Todd Farmer. Starring Anna Torv from Fringe, oh. Alfred Molina, Thomas Jane. Alfred Molina what? was in that. Octopus and the Punisher versus Heavenly Sword? And How will she get out of this one? Oh, was that an off year for Alfred? Because, wow. I guess. Like, he is way better than that material. Yeah, Anna Torv was Nariko. Alfred Molina was King Bohan. Thomas Jane was Loki. 
and Ashley Ball was Kai. Wow, it sounds like you know these characters pretty well, Jonathan. Is as it possibly my favorite because yes. you love Heavenly Sword? And it's Nolan North secret. was in it as like five people, which is yes. pretty on brand for him. Yeah, that seems fair. Uh, and then for PS4, it would be God of War. Anyway, I want to hear from all three of you. Brian, we'll start with you. PS One, yes. you know what we should let's go around. Oh, I guess we burned uh, through all four of yours. I was gonna well, say I go, just did mine quickly because I've talked on the okay. show about it, so I just wanted to go. So yeah, let's go generation by yeah, generation. Yeah, yeah, we'll start with PS One. And I just noticed we didn't put Vita or PSP on this list. Um, we can do. We'll do that another mentions. time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> my pick for PS One is Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is not the most sort of like revolutionary game. It's not really a way to kind of like justify this new cutting edge technology. It is essentially a, a, a giant 16-bit game. Uh, it's a spiritual successor to all of the best Castlevania games, but the first ones that really sort of like, I think took it in a direction that sort of subsequently became the way the rest of that franchise nestled in for a while. Um, it is a gorgeous 2D action platformer, Metroidvania with one of the coolest twists in video game history that even if it's been spoiled for you a million times is absolutely worth playing and reliving. I think that unlike a lot of PS1 games, it's aged incredibly well. It still totally holds up. Graphically, yeah. Graphically, yeah. Still um, Gameplay-wise, it kicks ass. Uh, there's, I feel like there's an alternate universe where Castlevania just became like 3D action platformers for a while, like Castlevania 64 and stuff like that. And Castlevania Symphony of the Night is the game that went to, I would say, inspire all of the GBA and DS games that came after it, you know, Area of Sorrow, Order of Ecclesia, all those awesome, awesome games um, and that we don't get anymore for some reason. We just, we got Bloodstained this year, which is good. Uh, but yeah, that's my pick. I absolutely love that game. It kicks ass. You can pretty much play it everywhere now, so please do if you haven't. Like you were saying, it's kind of the blueprint for every metroidvania that has come since then yeah. is in both like the layout and the structure and the gameplay and trying to recapture the magic of that twist i think a lot of games try to do uh not always the same success but yeah that game is such a landmark game yep. i think we always talk about the playstation one as being sort of the first playstation but it was also in a lot of ways a successor to the super nintendo yeah and i think that symphony of the night's a perfect example of like taking taking sort of i mean also a lot of the jrpgs that came over final fantasy 7 for instance being like here's the Logical progression of a lot of games that people really loved on this, you know, proto previous generation. Yeah, which is really interesting because if you look at the way that sort of massive, you know, of almost infamous divorce between Nintendo and Sony spiraled out is we got two timelines and one was the N64, a game that had or a console that had practically no 2D games because they were so like taboo at the time that everyone thought if I'm going to spend $80 on a console game, it better be 3D because 3D means good and 2D means bad. Even though up until that point, we had decades of like history and architecture on how to build really good 2D games. We kind of shelved all that for this bold new medium of making everything a 3D platformer, which actually only resulted in three or four really good 3D platformers and 50 or 60 terrible ones. <laughs> um, and on the PlayStation, they were like, no, we... We're still doing 2D stuff here. We're still going to do like JRPGs. We're still going to do action platformers and Metroidvanias. So, yeah, I love that. I'm so happy that got to happen. There was a good blend of stuff on the PS1. Like the, I think there are a lot of games we all think of that kind of define the PS1 for us. Not all of them are on the PlayStation 1 Classic, unfortunately. But for a lot of different people, that console is defined by a lot of different types of games. Yeah. Both genre and look and feel and gameplay and everything. Uh, and speaking of a totally <laughs> different game, Max. Metal Gear Solid. Yes. Metal Gear Solid. The first one, so good. Um, also, again, again, kind of the, the logical progression of games that existed on previous hardware. The first Metal Gear was on 
NES, which was like kind of a subpar port of an MSX game, which never saw the light of day stateside, and was the direct sequel to a game that never came stateside until it was packed onto a disc later on. But yep. I mean, it's kind of cool to be like, hey, here's a let's take a formula that worked pretty well in uh, you know in in 2D and really just kind of let's make it cinematic, let's make it tell a story, let's give it a big Hollywood score, let's like let's have some add some some pomp and some bombast here, and it was. I don't know. I remember that that game blew me away when I first played it. Like it just completely like it was like, "Oh, oh, you're playing you're playing a movie, but in like a cool way." And I want I want to say that was like PlayStation's Mario 64 moment. Like that was the reason I'm actually thinking back. That was the reason why I decided to buy a PlayStation over a Nintendo 64. Yep. Because I had to make the choice because I was buying it myself. I'd saved up my little pennies doing crappy Nonsense New Zealand money. <laughs> nonsense New Zealand money for <laughs> nonsense chores Bur- that my metal bird gave me. squares or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, that was that was the reason because I I played it at a um, video game store. You know when they used to have like little demos, like demo kiosks, and I got so hooked on that first level, and I, I got so good at it that I was like, "This is it. I have to get it." Yeah, I mean that's like kind of the understated power of a, a disc based medium was. You could have demo discs. Mm-hmm. Like there were basically no demos on the N64. That was a pain in the ass to do. Those carts were like eighty dollars each. You could stick a disc to a magazine and mail it to some kid's house, and he'd be playing some violent M-rated games. <laughs> yeah. Kind of awesome. Well, the young employees at Gamesman Willis Street Wellington, uh, Gamesman, really, Gamesman, uh, really Gamesman Secret Service. We're really impressed <laughs> with my with my skills at Middle Gear Solid. Is that me? That's you. Damn robocallers! I didn't cancel my Robocop? security. Robocop. Robocop yeah. keeps calling. Yeah. Um, no, I remember playing that that Metal Gear Solid demo at like a, a kiosk at a, a Kmart in Torrington, Connecticut, and going up, and being like, wearing my big crappy winter coat, and being like, "Oh, this looks this looks kind of cool. This looks like an exciting game." My and name's then, Max. And then like walking in there and, and like having no idea how to play it. Like I actually, I think a, a friend of mine basically showed it to me. Like, no, this is actually really cool. Check it out. Mm. But. Before that, I was like, oh, it's like an action game. Go in here and run around. <laughs> and like, no, it's not. This is a game about avoiding conflict, which totally flies in the face of everything I'd learned from video games up until that point. Where I'm like, oh, I'll just fire my gun around. And it was like dudes come out of nowhere and they're like, get him. And they're like kicking me. And I'm like, oh, how do I run? And I'm like, just crouch four times. Like, oh, no, crowd, why, why, you depict yourself as like a bumbling British elephant drawing. <laughs> I, was a, I was a weird oh, kid. No. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know. Pooped in the bathtub again. Yeah, like I have the, the weirdest memories of like getting into Metal Gear though, like because I because my my best friend bought it and then I'd be over at his house like screwing around and you know playing PC games on his computer in the corner and he'd be playing this game and gradually it kind of caught my attention and then it was like just the fact that it kind of rewarded you messing with it like we were really mm-hmm. big into like screwing with cheat codes and PC games and sort of finding stuff we weren't supposed to and so for this game to come along that was like yeah if you check this out if you plug the controller into the other port you can you can see stuff or like oh, oh so here's cool. the part where you get a wolf to piss on the cardboard box so that the <laughs> other dogs stop biting you when you're crawling through the tunnel to go hang out with your sniper girlfriend or what, whatever the you know it's it's a it's a weird game that has so many little kind of like nooks and crannies to it and also like a really fun game to blow your parents minds because I remember the Psychromantis thing with the controller. Oh, and I man. showed my dad that and he was he didn't know that the PlayStation controller could do that. Right. And he was like mind blown. <laughs> And I just felt so powerful. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of those moments. Like I, 
I, I was playing like an X-Men game for Genesis way back in the day and I had rented it and like you had to like reset the game to progress and no one told you that it was in the manual but if you rented it you just got a piece of paper with like a drawing of a turtle on it that said like don't forget to bring me back <laughs> <laughs> and so you had no idea what to do <laughs> Super weird because there was also um, a code, codec code on yeah. the back for Merrill, right? Yep. And it was like that was on the back of the case. And you, that was like word of mouth. It was like very early or pre-internet where you had to basically talk to friends, and they'd be like, "Did you know you could do this?" And you're like, "No way!" <laughs> um, everyone's talked about wanting Blue Point, whatever their rumored remake is, to be uh, Metal Gear Solid remake, which I would love because I've never played the original game in full and would like an updated version. But I do wonder what they could do to recapture that in this era because you would have to think about someone might buy it digitally from the PSN. It's also just like um, that kind of like stealth gameplay has changed so much. It'd just be weird going back to the cone vision. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Is that well? Or do you think people would be more like open to it because it's an old game and it would? I mean, it's I, I don't know. Yeah, I'd love to see it just redone from like top to bottom, the same way that like the RE2 remake is like. Yeah, it doesn't play at all like yeah. the original. It's got kind of the sort of core elements, but I mean, that was it. Like. It's what Twin Snakes attempted, yeah, but kind yeah. of broke. But it broke it a little bit. Threw it out the window because it used the MGS2 controls, basically. Mm-hmm. But like, the, you could go into first person in Metal Gear Solid, but it was only to look around, which mm-hmm. was kind of like help you get a better view of things because the camera angles are, for the most part, either like dynamic or isometric, which is pretty odd to think about. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's such a such a strange game to go back to. I think that. And like verticality sort of plays a thing you could, but not really, you know, it's not, it, it's definitely 3d environments, but how you kind of approach them isn't really, you don't really engage with them that directly. Yeah. Like you crouch to go into tunnels and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and accessibility wise in 2019, 2020, like remember the button mashing for saving Merrill? My God. That was hard. Yeah, that, that was, that was an intense. able-bodied person. Yeah. That was hard to didn't do. Didn't Ocelot call you out if you used a turbo controller? Oh, really? Like Probably. He would, he would be like, oh, you're cheating. You're using a bad controller. Shalashaska <laughs> has descended. Or I don't remember. That's the next game. I feel like a remake could do something like read your trophies and judge you based on it. And yeah. I mean, I would hope yeah. that they would just bury a bunch of strange stuff in there. Yeah. Really yeah. Get that feeling of like discovery in there. Mm-hmm. That could be really fun. Uh, and Lucy, for no, you. No, no. I've changed mine. Oh, you've changed. Yeah, Ooh. I don't want to be a sheep. Um, okay, so mine was originally Metal Gear Solid, but I got you know, some crap for that. So I've changed, <laughs> in, in the last five minutes, I've changed my vote to Silent Hill. Ooh. Oh. That is the correct answer from Lucy O'Brien. Yes. Because I, like, I loved all the Resident Evil series, but um, Silent Hill was the first game that made me um, genuinely unnerved to the point where I sort of felt a bit nauseous. Mm-hmm. Like, in all the, like, in, in, in all the ways that the best horror does. Because I hadn't ever experienced horror like that. Um, I don't think in any medium. Uh, it was a very kind of uh, existential horror. And I just remember playing it and just being like, this is, I'm going to have nightmares about this. Well, because I think it's like, it's it's not in a really overly sophisticated setting. It is, it's in a familiar territory. It is, this you know, your town or something. Well, and it's, it's something that played so well into the system's... Uh, Hardware limitations? Yes. Like that's yes. That's it such a big part of it. Did so much with so little. I think um, one of the reasons when I when I eventually ended up watching Night of the Living Dead when I started getting really into horror and going back into like horror history and stuff. And I remember there's this scene in Night of the Living Dead where they see the zombie for the first time. And he's like he's just in broad daylight. Broad daylight, yeah. And it's in a graveyard, but he's just walking towards them, right? And there's something so much more frightening about that and about sort of 
creatures just coming at you in an everyday setting that I hadn't really experienced before. Everything prior to that had been like things that go bump in the night, right? And so for me, Silent Hill was very much in that vein. Like it was just just seeing a creature just come through the fog and just start like bashing on you. You know, I was, it was so frightening. Mm -hmm. And then like, I remember, you know, when everything would go into like deep Silent Hill and then like you went through that hell and there was that like just that feeling of dread all the way through it where you just know that it's, everything is just going to be way more aggressive, way more terrifying. All the environments are just like dripping with blood and gore and it's just awful. Um, and then there was actually this feeling of relief when you'd go back into the town the next time <laughs> and like there are just like regular kind of enemies walking around. Yep. You know, it just, it just did such an amazing job of, of sort of tightening the screws as you played through it. And yeah, I just like, for me, that was it for, for, I was hooked on horror games from then on in. I was going to say it totally makes sense why you love stuff like Evil Within, because that's absolutely has its roots buried in in Silent Hill. Very much so, yeah. And Lucy, so we'll start with you for PS2 then. Yes. Uh, Because it plays off your new PS2. Well, it does. I mean, so Silent Hill 2 is my PS2 pick, um, because I think that is the best Silent Hill. Uh, and again, it just, it, it sort of took the bones of the original Silent Hill and just, and, and just cranked it up. And to this day, I think it's probably the best horror game of all time. It's just, it's just, I remember when I like was at university, I remember my friends and I decided to play all, like all of the Silent Hills through. There was a, oh, maybe it was just two and three. There was like a PlayStation two, like, like collection, um, And honestly, we were like, we were 20 years old. We were playing the dark. We were ourselves. <laughs> like, like, it was just so, it's, I mean, and Silent Hill 2 just, you know, there's that scene where she's like, he's, sorry, he, he's like, do you want to jump down the hole? And it's just like, you know, it's just this black hole. Yeah, and it's just like, you have to do things like that regularly in that game. Is, and is two the one with the alternate ending or the secret ending with the dog? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's so that's what I love about that game is it it does a very Kojima thing where it's like here's an incredibly serious setting and everything is like hyper specific and like in the right places and then it's also like Yeah, I mean it's like it, it is it's it's very um unnerving. But like the other I mean that that's stupid. But the other thing that I really loved about um Evil Within is it it was I mean sorry, not Evil Within. Uh Silent Hill 2 is that it 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 does it's it's also very moving. Like, but all the Silent Hill stories in my mind have been actually incredibly moving. Mm-hmm. The first Silent Hill was the first and I think only game I've ever cried in. Really? Yeah. When Lisa, when you shut Lisa in the room, if you remember that, mm-hmm. um, I was sobbing. I don't know why it really got to me. Like did you when play, someone did you play the Wii one. Oh, Shattered Memories. Yeah. No. Oh, I started it but didn't. That progress. like that that was very very similar to two in that like it just took this. Like very simple setting of like a town and a school and stuff like that. And it's meant to be great. That, isn't yeah, that it was Harlow? really good. Isn't yeah. that the guy who made? Um, yep. I think he was part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a really good game. Um, yeah. Anyway, I just think <laughs> that that series is so just unbelievably fantastic, and I'm still, you know, one of the biggest. The, the, there was a moment when PT got well, Silent Hills got cancelled, <laughs> and I was just like, I don't even think I want to be in this business anymore. This <laughs> yeah. is just too heartbreaking. I can't take it. Um, because that would have just been so perfect in Kojima's hands. But I know. He was like tweeting about wanting to make the scariest horror game of all time like a week or two ago. So, But then he was also tweeting about making Death Stranding too. So there's, once again, we are 
provided two alternate timelines and it could go either way but <laughs> i really hope i just like i mean i really I, hope he does horror i'm totally all for a death stranding to be interested in that but like if it's gonna you know it's gonna take another seven years for him to make whatever and i prefer him to make the scariest game of all time yeah thank you yeah. very much yeah especially yeah. with what pt promised exactly yeah. that uh max your favorite ps2 game is also a follow-up metal gear solid 2 sons of liberty which i know somebody's in the comments just angrily being like snake eater is better and i agree but i it think is better. it's also think- not on ps2 yeah, no, that was, that was Snake Eater. I yeah. thought it was PS3. No, it was Tail End. Really? Yeah. Um, oh, I guess that's why they they fit it on the 3DS. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I think Snake Eater is a better game, but I, I think like the amount of ways that just like sort of Silent Hill took what the first game was and escalated it. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 was the first modern Metal Gear game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't basically a 3D version of an MSX2 game. This was a this. I mean, the amount of stuff the amount of new mechanics that that game brought to the table, which were all kind of refined and and tweaked in in Snake Eater, was mind-blowing. They were like, hey, check it out. Olga has armpit hair. Uh, You now can go into first person and shoot out lights. Um... I don't know, like, there was stuff like, oh, look at the rain. Like, the rain will, if you look straight up at the the sky, the rain will pool on your, on your TV screen. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just the fact that... That That was a mind-blowing effect Mm -hmm. at the time. I mean, if you watch the the reveal trailer for that game from E3, it's, it's like, incredible. They're like, hey, if you shoot the watermelon, it it breaks in real-time physics. Like, there's just, like, if you shoot... They mo-capped Gallagher for that. Yeah. (laughs) They had him as a (laughs) physics consultant for how watermelons shatter. But, uh, no, it's, and it was... It's a totally bonkers game that sort of, uh, I mean, and again, speaking of Castlevania having crazy twists, uh, I would say Metal Gear Solid 2 also had a pretty wild twist where it didn't have you playing a snake for most of the game, yep. yeah. which was kind of a kind of mind-boggling. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the game is like, the, the first Metal Gear Solid is like, kind of epitomizes of like, oh, hey, wait, here's some mature storytelling on a, a home video game console. And then Metal Gear Solid 2 was like, all right, let's let's up the ante a little bit. Let's get kind of deep and philosophical and political and talk about, uh, I don't know, the effects of memes on politics. And whoops, here we are almost 20 years later. And it's like, oh, this is kind of, yeah. Pretty prophetic. Yeah. Prophetic, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian, what about for you? For PS2? This was a really tough one for me, but I ultimately settled on Shadow of the Colossus. Um, I'm a huge Zelda fan. I'm a huge open world fan. I'm a huge fan of giant monsters and formidable formidable creatures in video games and i think that this game did such magical like did such a magical job of capturing this vast sort of atmospheric mostly empty world um at the time the idea of like pivoting the ever bloated open world genre into something that was like stark and minimalist was like unheard of the fact that you can go for large stretches of that game without seeing anything but like a lizard or a, a bird and then all of a sudden you turn the corner and there's something the size of a skyscraper standing there and it's not necessarily an enemy but your sort of intrinsic nature is to kill it anyway and then feel bad for doing that because yeah, you're destroying a, a beautiful thing yeah I, I i'm so with you on this one like um i think what the souls series did after this very much carried on this kind of feeling that i got from shadow of the colossus which was you you were just dropped in this world mm-hmm. and it existed long before you and it will yep. exist long after you. And it never felt like it was catering to you as a player. Yeah. It felt like you just were there, you were visiting. And I think some of the most magical video game worlds are worlds like that where you will turn a corner and see something and it's like, oh God, like 
uh, how what would have happened if I hadn't turned that corner? Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just like it, it it feels like you're stumbling across things very organically, and the the games that do that, in my opinion, are the, are the best types of games. Like, yeah. It, you just feel so at the whims of that universe. Mm-hmm. It it was just sort of walking across this giant field is something we've done in so many video games, and here it just felt like beautiful and sad and the sort of melancholy haunted. of that game that's exactly like, it perfect. yeah i have i've never finished it in either the original form or the the remake which is beautiful but i think it is part of that like every time i would kill a colossus it would be like oh i don't want to do this mm-hmm. like, i feel bad about this and yeah i, I want to eventually go and finish that journey but yeah it was amazing at capturing that spirit yeah i mean the, the sense of scale and in, in climbing one of those things like specifically on like weird hair on the back of its <laughs> leg or something and getting up to that top of its head and stabbing it and killing it while it writhed in pain and then ultimately collapsed and disappeared was like so fucking brutal mm-hmm. and sad and just I'm so happy that game got made it's so yeah. weird it's such a strange game but I'm really really happy it got made and I think it like honestly it's like one of those things that sort of set Sony along that path of like let's make these giant you know big vast open video games that have like also like a deep incredible story mm. um that's that just feel incredibly cinematic that justify why you bought a, a playstation why you bought a television you know like it's it's just i'm so glad that game exists and, and it's and, such a haunting story with so little dialogue yeah yeah i was you gonna know? say like i think that in the same way that the, the landscape is kind of sparse and and empty i think the, the sort of the brevity of the storytelling the fact yeah. that mm. it's, it recognizes that the operative nature of games is that you're doing stuff you're engaging with the games and like in the same way that you know world war world one one of mario you like you you learn what you're supposed to do in the first two screens of that yeah it explains to you by you doing it, it doesn't have someone come out and be like here's what's going on press mm-hmm. a to do this was it little and max I, I realized that, yeah. <laughs> oh wow i'm supposed to jump here the <laughs> oh, boy. Um, i realized also being like i love sons of liberty anyway games should shut up and, you know get out of my way but no i think it's it's like um in the same way that with with movies the sort of the rule should be show don't tell mm. i think in games it should be do don't show mm-hmm. or yeah. or tell you know and and it's it's just no telling in general it's the best when they just get out of your way and you're like you're in a world all right get out there yeah it, put it, there scrape your knees and fall out of a tree or whatever yeah it's impressive how much that game conveys with so little said mm-hmm. about it um but you obviously come to understand it so fully or like me go look at the wikipedia to find out what's going on uh do you want to jump to the next generation ps3 and brian we'll start with you this time Sure. Uh, I was going to say The Last of Us, but I'm going to pivot and I'm going to say Journey, which is a completely different video game. (laughs) Um, Sort of. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Journey is a really, really special game to me because I think it um, sort of categorized where smaller indie more indie shaped games were heading at the time. Um, And I think it really broke through the ceiling of where games of that sort of stature could go. Uh, it is a very short game. It is not a good value for your buck, <laughs> uh, but it is an incredibly beautiful game. It's one of the most, I would say, like visually identifiable games in the history of our medium. You see a screenshot from that game, and you know immediately what you're looking at and what the story is. And it's something that can be completed in a few hours. It's completely lonely and sort of somber but at the same time it has a really interesting multiplayer system where other players will appear in your world for just a brief time and help you with something and then disappear it's another one of those games where there's next to no dialogue it's incredibly minimalist it's 
It's show, don't tell from the first yeah. second. Or yeah. there's there's the top of the mountain. Yeah, Go. and it's I, it, it's the kind of game you can finish on a Saturday afternoon. It's filmic and it's really really beautiful, and it really stuck with me. It's just a beautiful story of life and death. Yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful game, and I think there are a few games I remember playing through the ending of as specifically as the ending of that game. And for mm-hmm. anyone who hasn't played it, I don't want to spoil that, but that final sequence, the way the music crescendo Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I remember telling doing... my partner at the time, like, come and look at this. Yeah. It was so that That put incredible. me to tears. I was, like, sobbing during that. I, uh, I I had my my now wife, then girlfriend play it, and, you know, she's into games and stuff, and she was, she was down for it. But I was like, oh, this is... Uh, this is multiplayer which i shouldn't have told her because the second she realized that these like other people in this world like flapping around being like being like oh she's she's like what are you doing get out of here leave me leave me alone and she's like she's like screaming at the tv like a 14 year old on xbox i can just what's wrong with you you sick woman i'm trying to help you find scarves uh max so what was your favorite ps3 game oh man that was this was a tough one yeah because you guys snatched up the good ones but i'm gonna go hands down Motorstorm Pacific Rift. That really? That's the one? No, I actually really like that game, but I'm not about <laughs> yeah. to subject people to that being the best game. That is a game where gonna, I was like, like my heart sunk because I realized we're going to be talking about that for the next five minutes. Yeah, you talk, you're you a big about Heavenly Sword. Alfred Molina lent. I just there's always like one or two people who tweet at me and they're like, "Hell yeah, Motorstorm!" And I'm like, "That's right, we're out here, Motorstorm fans." Other, other British it. child drawings of an elephant. <laughs> they love it when cars explode for going too fast. I do poop the bathtub. Um, Babar noted Motorstorm. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I want to say I'm split between uh, Heavy Rain and Uncharted Two. Um, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna pick an Uncharted game, I think Two is the sort of the crown jewel of that uh, that trilogy. Well, quite. Yeah, quintology at this point, I mm-hmm. guess. Four, four and a half games. Don't forget what? Five for Fortune, oh, the card game. The, whatever, anyway. Uncharted. And uh, Uncharted for Vita. Vita, yeah. yeah. Uncharted. Abyss. Yeah. Golden Abyss. Persona 5, the gold of Golden Abyss. <laughs> okay. um, PlayStation you know, All-Stars Battle Royale. I think 2 is like the, the prime example Love of the like... Love story. Of like, you know, here's the... Like here, they introduced those mechanics in the first game. And it was like, okay, it's like Tomb Raider with a boy or whatever. And then they were like, okay, no, no, let's try that again. And it, they come back and they just come out hitting and basically kind of refine kind of really every every step of that. And just, it's it's such a wonderful, big, loud, dumb action movie of a game. And it's just, I think, it, you know, it, all of those games do something, some, do, they do something well differently. Like they always kind mm. of tweak it and stuff. But I feel like, Two is really when it was like the biggest, like, ooh, yes, okay. I, I think that game joins the ranks of games like um, Assassin's Creed Two, uh, Watch Dogs Two, hopefully the next Fallen Order game. Mm-hmm. In that, like, there's this incredible groundwork there, City. Yeah, that's like, yeah. that's it's it's good. Actually, I will argue. I really love the smaller scale of Arkham. Of Arkham okay, fair enough. Asylum. We'll wait till Barrett can come in. Yeah, we can all have that argument. We'll just say Donkey Kong sixty four. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're Greg's problem. Now. It's that <laughs> it's that thing where like you know sequels can drop the ball, and I think a lot of times with movies they frequently suck. But yeah. with games, it's like let's refine that thing we were doing the first time around, and then they always shoot themselves in the foot by being like, "Crap, what do we do for three? And mm-hmm. then it's always a letdown because they try to either overdo it or they underdo it or you know whatever it is, but. Um, Uncharted 2 is like the, the train sequence is the just train sequence. Yeah. Oh, God. The, yeah. the cinematic set pieces in that game I think are still like a benchmark a lot of developers are chasing mm-hmm. the, the train scene in particular and then also the building crashing scene a little earlier in the game those two for me are like I can remember those perfectly. Yeah. They're just yeah, I mean, the, beautiful sequences. The d- uh, diversity in locales and sort of globetrotting uh, sort of campiness to that game swashbuckling fun and all that is like versus the original which is like 
mostly jungles. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm. Is was such an awesome decision for that franchise. And it's like it totally brought it back to its source material, which is pulpy comics and Indiana Jones. And like that dude doesn't stay put in those movies. Like this was a game about going to a bunch of different places. It also really started to kind of uh, ex- kind of experiment the, the narrative around how this dude is maybe not necessarily the best person. Mm. Like Nathan Drake kind of just, you know, impedes on mating dance rituals and steals their stuff and then bounces. And like, it's like, okay, yeah, that's not always the best thing. And like, mm-hmm. maybe there are some selfish selfishness or, or selfish acts about him going in and making his entire life dedicated to this with the, the franchise went on to explore further and further down the line. Um, yeah. That is a, Goddamn magical game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that game. Yeah, um, but yeah, flip side of that, I think Heavy Rain is like in in the same way that I, I don't. I think Heavy Rain has got is got its share of weird issues, and mm-hmm. it's definitely like very strange. But that like was, just randomly having French children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The performances I mean, like I went and revisited it. I think I re-reviewed it for IGN. Yeah, um, I think <laughs> David Cage put out a hit on you for that or something. Uh, he put out a hit on me before then. Actually, <laughs> I think it was before then. Anyway, rattled some cages. <laughs> some of the sequences, though, in that game are. I mean, that was that that came out at a time when I wasn't really I wasn't playing a lot of games because I was like just out of college, uh, working, you know, doing seasonal work at Banana Republic to pay rent. And if I had a PlayStation Three, I would have sold it by then. <laughs> right. You know, like I was flat broke, and um, I think a friend had that, and I was like, you know, I'd been sort of head down for long enough that I was like. You know what is what is like a what is a triple A you know quadruple A video game at the time look like? And I popped my head up and I was like, "Holy crap! Mm-hmm. Like this is this feels like a this is a noticeable move forward in terms of like performance capture technology and just sort of this weird approach." Also, if you if you play it in French and you don't speak French, the acting is a phenomenal. I can only imagine. <laughs> right. right. So that was that was the thing. Just be like, oh, they make like big budget art house video games now that's cool mm-hmm. one thing i really loved about heavy rain um and well all of david cage's games to be completely honest even though it doesn't like me i'm sorry um <laughs> is that you know when you're when you're playing these games um you really feel like you're making a difference to the story yeah like you really feel like your decisions are actively changing the shape of the story around you and i think that that is so paramount in a story that is essentially an interactive drama yeah i mean some some you know there are some interactive dramas out there that are, that are great, like a lot of um, Telltale stuff. Um, fantastic, but I, I never really felt the same sense of stakes that I did in a, in a David Cage game. Like, mm-hmm. you do feel like you're controlling the narrative. The, a yes. Sort of like a split-second Twitch decision in this video game will allow a potential killer to escape from your grips mm-hmm. and just disappear into the game only to come back later and be a problem. Yeah. And that's incredible. Because, yeah. like, you could have pressed triangle and then that wouldn't happen but because you didn't oops yeah. there's also like this game made you first of all the the finger cutting scene in this game the yeah. first time i played oh, it was like yeah. um this game made you contort your hands around a video game controller in ways i never had before yeah. in deliberately cumbersome fashions the driving sequence oh god yeah, the driving sequence yeah. there's a part where your car goes into the water and you're struggling to unbuckle your seatbelt while drowning and reaching for the door to unroll the window mm-hmm. and it just makes you contort your hands around your controller in button configurations that you'd never done before because they're completely illogical in the, in the same way that like early survival horror tank controls are like inherently kind of clumsy and you're i think that was just really a sign of the times but it sort of had that same feeling of when you're watching a horror movie and you're like no don't go up the stairs run away get out of the house yeah. and you're like that's because you're you, your thumb screwed up you're going right. the wrong direction you <laughs> dumbass yeah but in this case it was like it's it's like you you're you're 
gripping something. Yeah, you know? I specifically remember like putting the the controller on my knee to like push the stick with my leg and then have my hands. <laughs> it was just to like mm-hmm. get at get through one scene like. And then everybody also knows Jason. Yeah. Jason. Yeah. No, it's I love it because it exists it like it's something you can completely like lampoon and poke fun at and like riff tracks your way through or you can take it seriously and be like, "Well, this is definitely a, a weird a medley of different themes in really sort of impressive performances and it's a technical feat and I don't know. It's it's wild. Yeah. So. Yeah. That game is definitely a memorable one of that generation and Lucy for you, what was your Mine was, I know it's very predictable, but mine was Last of Us. Uh, you know, there's not much that I can say about that game that has not been said already. Uh, but I still just, I still think about that and, and that game and, and the ending in particular. Yeah. Uh, and I get, I get chills. I think for me, I mean, there are so many reasons to love The Last of Us, uh, but I still just, I still can't get over the ending. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I just still can't believe that that is where they went with it um it was so brave and so nuanced and you just don't really see storytelling like that in video games um and you know this was from uh, naughty dog who did make those kind of big loud uh action adventures with very clear beginning middle and ends you can sort of see where they that wily bandicoot that wily bandicoot um you can yeah sort of see where they're gonna go but with the last of us uh i was i was shocked and it was it was sort of afterwards it was hard to explain to people why i was so shocked right i just i think it was just because you it it was like they pulled the rug out from under your feet and you know like like the way that they left joel and it made you reflect on your entire experience with that game with that character and think what have i done like what was i doing that whole time Mm -hmm. um and that is just such a powerful powerful feeling um for a game to evoke and yeah i just like i'm i'm so i'm so excited for the last of us part two but i'm also terrified because uh obviously that game just made such a so many brave Mm -hmm. choices and um and I don't want I don't want uh, them to back back down. I don't think they're I don't think they're going to. I'm sort of and uh, don't get me wrong. I'm sort of dreading the Last of Us Part Two, or just in the sheer nature that like the Last of Us kicks your ass. Like it mm. kind of is like it is a it is a gut punch. It it takes things that like oh yeah you're killing a zombie. That's the thing you do in a video game. You've done it a million times, and it's like oh let's make this a jarring, horrifying you know just harrowing experience Mm. and then you know on top of that there's also the human interactions and now it's going to be like oh i guess we're going to be i don't know killing people with claw hammers and yeah i think (laughs) i think if you played that game like a dumb action game and it didn't sort of resonate with you personally um like you kind of played it wrong like or maybe you just don't care about video game stories which is fine that's totally an option but i think that like what one of the really understated things that Naughty Dog w- did with The Last of Us is sort of its restraint mm. and its kind of beautiful use of negative space. Mm. That game is not just about bashing clickers in the head and sh- you know shiving dudes in the neck. That game is about the moment where winter pops up on the screen yeah. and then it's just quiet and things are not good, but they're empty and desolate mm. and you pull out a bow and arrow to hunt a deer and wound it. And that is like... 
That's unlike anything else that anyone else is doing at the time. That doesn't just keep ramping up. It, like, it you, stops to breathe. Yeah, and another thing that it does so well is that, uh, thanks to brilliant performances and brilliant writing, is that you can feel the character's trauma. Mm-hmm. You can feel how much everything that they've gone through has psychologically affected them. Yeah, I mean, like it's a, that's a zombie video game where the zombies are entirely secondary to the real th- human threats in that game. Yeah. You know, it's like they are... They're, they might as well be trees and mountains because they're they're there. They they're scary, but they are not your biggest problem. Mm. Yeah, it is. I wanted, like that definitely had games growing up. I want to see what Naughty Dog does after The Last of Us Part Two and Three and Lost Legacy or whatever they decide to do. Because I feel like it's going to be something like here's a game about divorce, and you're like, oh god, <laughs> like it's going to be like they've they've gone from a cartoon orange bandicoot to like to like hey, blue valentine yeah with, yeah. Um, yeah you're the most human you know yeah. human interactions like what do you uh, where do you yeah where they go next honorable mention to the left behind dlc which i think is some of the best sort of standalone story to me, that's oh the yeah best, that's the best dlc, DLC i've ever played yeah. yeah um and again that did uh, that was an incredible gut punch and again so subtle Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, a woman who likes other women, it was very real on a on that level as well. And I just you know, it it was incredibly profound. Um, and yeah, so for the people who are like, oh, don't make Ellie gay in the Last of Us Part Two, you have not played Left Behind because L- that's where it you know they show it. Little late for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, very excited to see what the Last of Us Part Two brings us. I have a feeling we'll be talking about that for quite a while next year. But before we get there. Other PS4 games have, of course, come out. The generation's not over. But from what has been released so far, Lucy, we'll start with you. What is your favorite PS4 game? Bloodborne. I got in first. That's okay. (laughs) I I stole one from you, right? No, I think I just stole from everyone else. Okay. Um, but you know, we all, all of us love Bloodborne. Um, apart from Dono, have you played it? I've played the first hour or two and couldn't beat it. Right, put it down. Okay. I'll go back to it eventually, but... You just have to play that um, 40 times oh, and you'll perfect. get that. There's yeah. a saying, you know. It's... <laughs> <laughs> the problem for... It takes 40 tries, but you'll enjoy it at the end. Um, it gets good after the first 30 hours. <laughs> um, I had my friend Tristan, who works in the Australian office, has a disgusting term for that, which I will tell you guys when the microphones are off. Um, oh, really? It's worse than the Crash no, Bandicoot just, thing uh, you said earlier? Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, so... Bloodborne is my favorite, I would say my favorite game of all time, still, still, in terms of uh, just across everything, world building, uh, enemy design, fashion, uh, fashion. Um, it is pretty good. I mean, he's no, got a, no, he's got a cool coat. He's yeah. got a great outfit. Yeah. Or she. Or she, or she. yeah. Um, and it is, it, it, and, and, and of course, that sort of unforgiving combat that the Soul series is, is, is known for, but with the added twist that it was more of a, a, a sort of offensive game than a defensive game, which I um, appealed to me a lot more. Same. Like, I, like I, I have enjoyed every Souls game I've played, but I really struggle with the constant defense and the like very um, considered. Like, in, in Bloodborne, you have to consider your moves as well. Of course you do, but. Uh, you know, there's always that chance you can get some like some of your health back, and it's always about like going step forward. It's a it's a lot more visible, visceral, right? It's a lot it of is. like rolling and slashing and putting you know fire on your stick and stabbing it into a and skeleton's it's like, eye. And, 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 and yeah, it, it it like like all Souls games, like all from soft games, it can be frustrating. But uh, you know, all the mistakes you make are yours to own. 
And like, I loved that about Bloodborne. And I, you know, I've never experienced in my entire life playing a video game such euphoria as I felt when I finished that game. Oh God, yeah. Like I was, I felt like I'd taken ecstasy. Yeah. Like I was high. Yeah, you, I mean, you will stand up in the middle of the night and scream in joy or agony yeah. and pain and suffering. <laughs> and then you'll try it again and then you'll, you'll keep going. Um, I felt like I like grew to be a better person yeah after through that game yeah like it taught me a lot about myself it taught me <laughs> when we were having taught, that taught my girlfriend at the time a lot about myself <laughs> when we were having that whole debate as an industry about difficulty in video games and like you know there were a lot of people sort of being like oh you know like you you this is a company that this is a developer team that yep. wants you to feel this and a lot of other people were like no i should be able to beat it you're all right you should be able to beat it but <laughs> but if you do actually overcome and you do kick that thing's ass, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in video games. It's one of the best feelings in the world. And that's what they're trying to give to you. They're doing it. They're gatekeeping and they're it, well, being mean about it. It's, that's it's, what they're trying to give to you. It's pleasure through pain. That's yes. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope someday to become a better person and finish this fine. You're doing it. You're chipping <laughs> away. Yeah. You're chipping yeah. away. I'm honestly at this point, it's like, will I beat that game before I have children? I don't know. <laughs> will I beat that game after I have children? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. I, I, I must also say that um, it was a really amazing experience, as it is with any FromSoft game, to play just as the game came out and people were sort of making all their discoveries together. Yep. Like I found that uh, playing with people around me and uh, it was a very, it was a really, it was a feeling of community that I had when I was playing that game. And everyone was like, I remember the first time someone was like, oh, you should go find the music box to um, help you kill Father Gascoigne. And I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, and then you, and then you get the root. And it's, it's like pre-internet, you know yeah. what I mean? Like everyone was discovering its secrets at the same time. Yep. Yeah. It's and hard it to have that. So Schoolyard good. logic. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I just want to say anecdotally over Thanksgiving break, I convinced two people to start playing Bloodborne. And they're both Attaboy. mad at me. Nice. They're both very furious. <laughs> they uh, Max, what about for you? What is your favorite? Uh, what did I put? You put two games. Well, one franchise and one guess? game. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. Hold on. Oh yeah, yeah. No. So uh, his favorite game, Amazing Spider-Man, or Spider-Man. Marvel's. Spider I thought it was an amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> um, no, Spider-Man. I think is. Um, I think they're. I think I think God of War is a better game than Spider-Man, but I loved Spider-Man with all my heart. Like sure. it was so. It was it, to to take a character that like has been portrayed so many times and put it in, you know, here's an open world New York City, go around and fight crooks. These are things we've done before, but to do that and stick the landing so hard and then for the landing to be like on the ceiling and then you're hanging off of there and then you're dragging guys with webs and throwing them around. Like it was- You don't even have to land actually. Yeah, you don't have, yeah. For the landing. You don't, yeah, Spider-Man, he does do that. But, but no, like that game is just, I feel like it is, it feels so like just confident and just like it, just gets it gets the job done so well, like yeah. and, and kind of, and it's also it manages to be you know heartfelt and uh, you know frightening in times and, and the performances it's got, and Spider-Man. yeah they're great like it's so got a, good. it's got a yeah. tremendous range where yeah. it's not entirely like a you know dark gloomy fart of an experience and it's not entirely like a happy go lucky thing it goes across the board and like it's just it's also I don't know I've I've consumed I don't even know how many different iterations of Spider-Man over the years yeah. and for it to come out and have some surprises and be like oh wow oh interesting oh you've won me over with that and I, then I think it also has my favorite video game costume ever which sucks because that's a video game where they keep adding more costumes and I'm like 
thanks guys, but I'm full. I'm the cartoon <laughs> costume that I can wear in every cutscene, even the sad ones. Like characters, like bad things happen to them, and then cartoon Spider Man's like, oh no. <laughs> well, it's funny wearing the Iron Spider costume, which is ostensibly made of iron, yeah, and metal, but it, it can just peel off like it's a regular glove. Is funny, but yeah, that original costume is so good. I mm-hmm. also think it has the best for me. It has the best most heartfelt portrayal of Mary Jane and Peter Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I The two of them are amazing. They, I, that has the most There accurate, was so much chemistry between most, them in that game. Yeah, yeah, that is the most accurate video angry angry girlfriend texting in a video game. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, to that be like I'm Spider-Man, I can just swing across the city and it was just like, "Hey, why aren't you?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm in trouble." Yeah. And it was like, "Yeah." Yeah. Like yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's a weird impulsive reaction to be like, "Oh, shit, I'm in trouble." Yeah. yeah. Yuri Lowenthal and Laura Bailey are so good in that mm-hmm. game. I can't wait to see more of them. I mean, like the the locomotion in that game. It's the thing is like, I think a lot of people forget that everyone talks about Spider-Man 2. It's an awesome video game, right? It, that was the one that totally nailed it. And then there was like what felt like 10 years or more where we just got games that were trying to do that all over again and totally missed the mark. And for these guys to come back and nail this game mm. and just make it so, you know, I remember like the first half hour, I was like, I don't know, man, I don't think they did it. And then it would start to click and you would start to get more moves and it, you'd start to speed up. And like, I remember you would do the same, same thing every kid does is you climb to the top of the Empire State Building <laughs> and you jump off. Yeah. And then you were like, so good. got it. And I remember just like, I'm getting all these t- t- phone calls and texts on my phone in the game being like, oh, so come come over fight the rhino. I was like, nope, I got to get all the backpacks. <laughs> all the backpacks. It Everybody can wait. It was the first wait. game, first and only game I platinumed. It yeah. is a really yeah. fun platinum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on from that one, uh, uh, Brian. Oh, do you have more? Oh, yeah. I was going to say oh, the you're entire gonna do Yakuza series. This is a bit of a cheat, but it's Okay. It. Well, only because they were like, we have a great new game. It's called Yakuza. It's available now for the PlayStation two and everyone's like no, no, no and then they were like all right well 11 years later hey everybody we're back and then they now there are currently like seven yakuza games with one more to come and then judgment which is a spinoff all on playstation 4 yeah it's a lot of stuff going on there i'm just gonna, it's a great place to play that yeah good game turns out the ps4 good video game system yeah a lot of these guys know what they're doing over there uh brian what about you as we start to wrap up mine was bloodborne obviously because that's in my like top two games of all time it kicks so much ass Animal Crossing. Yeah, Animal Crossing is probably top one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, Together uh, no, last. no, but this is like, I, top I've always thought number. that Bloodborne was your favorite game. Yeah. Like no, mine. It, it's, I but think I'm it, curious as to what, because I feel like we're quite in step with our taste. So I'm curious as to what your number two is. My top three are Link's Awakening and then a tie between Resident Evil 4 and Bloodborne. Or you can mix any of those three up on any given Because Resident Evil 4 before Bloodborne came along was my favorite game. Was, yeah, it was Bloodborne before Bloodborne, basically. Yeah. yeah. The, God, those games are so good. So good. Um, <laughs> Mine's God of War when it's not Bloodborne. When it's not Bloodborne. Yeah, but yeah. God of War was, again, one of those games we've talked about to death. Um, we spent all of last year and a lot of this year celebrating how much ass that game kicked and mm-hmm. you know how many hearts it kicked, <laughs> too. Uh, that's a very... It was a very special game for me. Uh, it came at a very special time. It's like... It was a big nonsense fantasy game about like a... A kind of like an angry bald guy that uh, connects with his child and uh, mourns the the loss of like a very powerful woman in his life. For me, that was my mom. For Kratos, it was his wife, and you know Atreus's mom. And 
it I just like remember very early on in that game starting it out and being like, okay, I'm gonna just beeline through the story, see what this game's all about. And then I made a left and I was like, oh, there's a treasure chest. I wonder how he's gonna open that. Oh, he punches it. <laughs> oh, he punches right. That's what. What, what if there's something glass inside? <laughs> um, and then being like, I want to punch all the treasure chests. I want to do everything, which I wanted to do with Fallen Order also. But that was a game where it's like, oh, yeah, well, he can open it, but guess what's inside? Poncho. It's ponchos. Poncho. Yeah, which I still liked, but still. Um, so God of War went from being a game that I was going to just be like, yeah, let's 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 see what the story is, let's get through it, to being like, I want to explore every inch of this world, I want to check out every side story, I want to meet every character. The writing was so good. Mm. All of the characters you meet, like the the two brothers that like have have broken up and don't hang out anymore, it reminded me of like there's these two guys in Link to the Past that do the same thing, and like you bomb their their bedroom, and they're like, yeah, I guess I'll go talk to this guy now. They they kind of recreated that in in God of War. Uh, it, it, the, the relationship between Kratos and Atreus, how they sort of inherit each other's best and worst traits throughout the game was something I did not expect to see coming. I would never ever thought in a million years if you had told me during the pinnacle of the PS3 that I would play a God of War game on PS4 and burst into tears at the end. I never mm-hmm. would have believed you. You don't like yeah. fantasy. Like that's a I feel yeah, like that's a that's tough true. sell for I you like gen- some okay. fantasy. I like I, mean, I like Zelda fantasy. I don't like Lord of you, the Rings. There's a lot of fantasy that you're like immediately kind of like, hmm, I don't know about that. You're yeah, like, you but don't- like there's a difference between like elfin long flowing locks straddling a unicorn and, and a dude with an axe. Chest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's exactly. a lot of fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I think that speaks yeah. a lot to, to God of War and how much it can it wins people over. Like in the same way that like I went into Spider-Man being like, all right, I already love Spider-Man. What can you do to impress me? And walked away being like, that's great. I went into God of War being like, I do not like Kratos as a character. No, I, neither. I didn't like I, Kratos yeah. as a character. He looks yeah, like the lead singer year. for Disturbed. <laughs> He's angry all the time. I don't know how to feel about that. He looks like he'd be into some really dodgy in 2018 he would have a calvin peeing sticker on his truck he'd be yeah. ta- he'd have taken a selfie in his car with the sunglasses with, on and like, like yeah. his tinder f- yeah. profile pic would be him holding a fish yeah but yeah to, i don't know they took this character that we all had these preconceived notions about and they were like hey here's a i don't know here's a weird redemption story here's like a incredibly well-crafted just like you know character study and but also like like Brian, you were just saying, you know, it was such a, such great writing. I just, like, last year was so fantastic for just great dialogue in mm-hmm. general. Like, we had Red Dead 2 last year as well. And, yeah. and it's just, like, just Hello, in terms Mr. of brilliant, <laughs> clever, funny writing, those two games were just... Oh, yeah. You know, they were step and step. Like, they were just so good. And that's kind of where, like, for me, that's the benchmark of fantastic video game writing right now. Yeah, it was, it was a great year for yeah. that. And obviously, there have been a lot of great games across all these generations. Went a little bit longer than I expected. Um, that was fun. But that was really fun. Please yeah, let us know. Yeah, weird. You wind us up to talk about 25 years yeah, worth I know, of video games, and we go for a minute. What a shock. <laughs> um, no, I love uh, when that happens. We... Our little crunched for time, so we're not going to do a normal news crunch uh, this week, but I will briefly mention, yes, we have seen the PS5 dev kit photo. It looks like the dev kits that we saw uh, before. You tweeted something funny. What was it? Yeah, a lot of people really missed that joke. That I kind of bummed me it out. No, it, it's, there's a, it's a giant V covered in vents, and I was like, the V stands for vents, and a lot of people were like, the V actually stands for five. Oh, no. And I was like, ah. <laughs> 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 oh, no. Um, Why do I use this website? <laughs> uh, in addition to that, uh, Persona 5 Royal got a release date for the West. It is coming March 31st, 2020. So 
just a few days after Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing New Horizons if you have a Switch. So not a quiet time of year that will be. Uh, Kojima talked a bit about a possible Death Stranding sequel. I think we don't have enough time to talk about that right now. But uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC info was also revealed. That's on IGN.com as well. Want to briefly mention, because this is the probably most relevant thing that's been going on today as we're recording, a listing for what appeared to be the Resident Evil 3 remake was added to the PSN catalog and then removed. But it showed some pretty authentic-looking box art, both for Biohazard RE3 and Resident Evil 3, uh, showing a remade nemesis uh, as well as the two main characters. So exciting. Um, so exciting. We've Here's seen a terrible about this fact. Before. Terrible yes. fact. I never finished Resident Evil 3 because halfway through playing it, my my grandma died. And so mm-hmm. like, I never finished it And like, because it was just like a tumultuous time. Sure. And so now... I'm gonna finish it. You're good to finally. Find out how it it's ends. like it's like it's like Resident Evil three and six are the I think the only two sort of mainstay Resident Evil games. Well, that's probably all your that grandmas, right? <laughs> <laughs> good God, man! So anyway, that leaked. Obviously, Capcom oh. has not said anything official, but if we hear anything else, we'll of course let you know. Um, there's a big show also coming in December. So if there's going to be any announcements about stuff, the Game Awards is probably where things will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll cover stuff a bit more in detail in the weeks to come. I did want to wrap up very quickly with a memory card. Uh, this one came to the show as we were recording from Hannah. Hannah wrote in and wrote, Hey guys, thanks for all your work on the show. I really enjoyed the memory card segment, so I thought I'd share how my dad and I have bonded through our love of games. Ever since I was a little girl, my dad brought home games to play with me. He showed me how to make maps for Zork and solve puzzles with me in Myst. He encouraged my interest in computer graphics, and I later received my degree in graphic design and worked as a 3D modeler and character rigger for motion capture. (sighs) Days after my husband and I brought our oldest son home from the hospital, my dad stayed up late and helped uh, helped me with the baby while cheering me on during a particularly challenging campaign in Valkyrie Chronicles for the PS3. My son is 11 years old now, and my dad was here recently watching me complete Valkyria Chronicles 4 for PS4. My dad is turning 70 in a few days, and he's maxed out everything in Skyrim, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Battlefront 2, so I think he might like Jedi Fallen Order for his birthday. Hell yeah. I hope he enjoys it as much as I have. It's been fun to watch him play games with his grandkids. It's something that we can all enjoy together. I'm so thankful that my dad encouraged me in something that's brought a lot of fun and joy to my life. Now it's time to pass that on to the next generation. Thanks for listening. Hannah. That is so amazing. Can you put Circle of Life song on right now? Sure, that shouldn't be a copyright issue. As, okay, cool. as, a, as a dad with a young baby, I cannot even begin to imagine playing through Valkyrie Chronicles like right when you get home from the hospital <laughs> with a kid. You're on what like 45 minutes of sleep a week, and you're like, yeah, let's get into this gigantic ass game. <laughs> uh, but Hannah, thank you so much for writing in. If you'd like to write in a memory card story where we uh, read stories from listeners and viewers at home about your funny, weird, wacky, strange, whatever memories of your PlayStation life, write into Beyond It. I with the subject line memory card and we'll read those every week on the show if you also have questions you want us to read on the show please write into beyond at ign.com we'll read those in the weeks to come thank you for everyone who dropped in questions at the facebook group we'll read those on another week's show uh, since we're a little pressed for time but that i think yes what if we got people in the comments to go in and list their favorite games for each generation that would oh, be yeah. fun at home yeah a great idea max yes please do that either in the comments on ign.com or on youtube.com slash ign beyond for this episode we'll read some of those at the top of next week's show uh but thank you for watching or for listening to the show beyond episode 620 we are live every wednesday at 3 p.m pacific at beyond.ign.com youtube.com slash ign beyond and your favorite podcast services around the world when we're not recording the show of course 
course, we are on IGN.com. Be sure to check out the best of nominees when those go up. Vote on those. Uh, yell at us about what we got wrong or right. And we will also have, let me just double check that this is correct. Um, so we will also have our, well, we will be announcing our Game of the Year winner. Z because there are lots of categories. All the awards. Um, on Tuesday, the, the 10th. The 10th. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, so look forward to that as well. And of course, if you want to reach out to us, in addition to the show, we're also on Twitter. I am at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. And Max is at Max Scoville. If you enjoyed Motorstorm Pacific Rift as much as I do, <laughs> tweet at that man. Let me know. And if you like Heavenly Sword, I guess tweet at me that's great uh anyway thank you so much for listening or watching this episode and as always beyond 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 Beyond. happy birthday playstation you're old enough to rent a car drive it fast enough till it blows up (laughs) you have to be 25 for that yeah Yeah, 25 what drive what to rent a car to rent a car yeah why do i think it was younger than that hey there it's rachel ballinger and i am extremely excited to invite you to rachel uncensored it's my podcast where i sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so we cover things from personal stories to hot button issues and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.